And uh, I got very much inspired by Joe Wong, the American Chinese comedian mm-hmm. who uh, was on the White House correspondent uh, radio and TV correspondent uh, dinner, and where he roasted Joe Biden. Uh, oh, well, he was the vice president back then. Yeah, that was that was over ten years ago. And that video went viral in China and uh-huh. introduced the form of art to China. And that's why I started to stand up in Beijing. And, uh, you know, I've been fine of him for a while. And then only within a half a year, like, he returned to China. I performed with him and opened for him. Hello and welcome once again to the No Name Podcast. Actually, I only mean once again if you've been here before. If you haven't been here before, welcome. Welcome just once. And hopefully you get after this. Anyway, my name is Eric Vetter. Uh, I am the host of the No Name NYC podcast, co-founder of No Name Comedy Variety Shows in general. And I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here today. The voice you heard up front is a guy with a remarkable story and a very funny guy, comedian Tony Cho. Tony is actually, uh, he, he lives in Beijing, China. I first met Tony Cho... He reached out to me a few months ago. We were doing a show. I, I had been asked to put together a book event for our good friend Carl Anebu's book called Comedy Goes to Court. And the event was a thing where uh, we were going to have uh, some comedians come in, do some a little bit of stand-up, and then have a panel to discuss topics from the book, Comedy Goes to Court, and various things that involve uh, comedy under the microscope of legal stuff or what have you. I don't know. Maybe it was a week or so before the actual event. I got a message from somebody I'd never met before, and that was Tony Cho. He said he was going to be in the United States for a certain amount of time. He was a traveling comedian with a track record and was interested if we had any shows coming up. Apparently someone had recommended us to him. You know, I didn't have a lot going on immediately when he first got here, except the book event. And then it occurred to me, holy crap, this guy lives in a totally different type of government and different country and different culture. And I thought it would be interesting to have him come and be a part of the panel. So we invited him and he he did some stand-up and he was very funny. And actually, I think he, he provided some of the most interesting commentary in the panel discussion. He'll actually touch on some of that stuff during our conversation. It was great to get a a perspective from someone who had been a successful stand-up, but had a very different story to getting to being a successful stand-up. And he'd done stuff, man. He was the sidekick slash co-host of a very popular late-night show in China. Well, I'll let you hear his story. We'll get to that in a little bit. All right, so I want to address something. One of our episodes from last month, our interview with Amy Engelhart. (sighs) That was a great conversation. But my intro for that, I've said several times here, you know, this is a learning curve for me. I'd never done a podcast before July of last year. There is no open mic to learn how to do this. So I'm just learning how to do this. And last month, we recorded intros for our episodes And through a convoluted series of circumstances, we wound up with almost no time to record uh, on the day that we were to record. We had an interview. We were recording a few things. By the time we got to the intros and outros, there was almost no time left. 
I slipped into amateur Crazy Eddie mode. Now, for those of you of a certain age, Crazy Eddie was a, an electronic store in New York City that was known for its kind of annoying commercials. Some people liked them. A lot of people found them annoying, but they were kind of iconic. They featured a really fast-talking pitch man. Oh, hey, come down to Crazy Eddie's. We are doing such and such and such and such and such. such. This is on sale. This is on sale. This you can get for only... Crazy Eddie, his prices are insane. So I was trying to step up my game and talk really fast. And what happened was I didn't set the world's record for fastest talking guy. I did not set any marks for quality intros of a podcast. What I did do is possibly set the Guinness Book world record for saying ah or um in an intro for anything. Our producer Gary has kindly agreed to put in a little example of that right now. And limping and whatever. Um, And it it just, it it just, it bothered the fuck out of me. Um, But, you know, you you go on. All right, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. You know, I wasn't even thinking about that at the time we were recording. I was just focused on, get it done. Just, just say what you got to say. Get out. And ironically, it was delayed a couple of days. Normally, our two episodes every month are released on the first day of the month. And this particular episode just seemed to be snake bit from from the beginning from a technical point of view. The file was corrupted. It had to be re-edited. Everything seemed to be done on the fly and in haste. But I think I've decided what I'm going to do in the future. If I catch myself, hopefully I'll catch myself next time saying, uh, um, uh, uh. Here's what I was thinking. Uh, No one wants to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to force anyone to listen to it. So if I find myself stuck or stressed, I'm just going to simply go to undeniable comedy gold. I'll give you a little example. I'm going to do that right now. Hey, Google, tell me a joke. What do you get from a pampered cow? Spoiled milk. See what I mean? There's no way I can ever fail. I might not know what to say in an opening monologue or rant for a podcast episode. But one thing I know after 30 years in the business, I know comedy. Let me give you another example. Hey, Google, tell me a joke. What do you call a cold canine? A chili dog. So that's my promise to you, dear listeners. I will never again... If I catch myself, or if producer Gary catches me, or someone gets to it before it's put out there into the universe, if I sense something's going awry, I will go to my Google Assistant and Comedy Gold will ensue. All right, well, you want real Comedy Gold? We got the real deal here. Live from, well, (laughs) he was actually at Word Up Community Bookshop for our conversation. But he's from Beijing, China. Tony Joe. We're going to get to our conversation with Tony Joe in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. Coming to you from the home of Bob the Squirrel, get away to Green Bay. That's right. The historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast before, but the breakfast in a lot of these places tends to be like a mini box of cereal or uh, some questionable fruit, things of that nature, a piece of toast maybe with some butter. But not at the historic Astor House bed and breakfast. Your innkeepers, Tom and Linda Stieber, 
will provide you with a delicious, absolutely world-class breakfast every single morning. They will also make you feel welcome in any one of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have a private bath and some of which have their own jacuzzi. If you want to know what's going on around town, Tom and Linda will let you know about any special events, and they'll also make recommendations for you to any of the wonderful restaurants in town. So you can't beat it. Go. Go now. Go. Get away to Green Bay. For more information or for reservations, go to www.astorhouse.com. That's A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Get away to Green Bay. This is your first time in New York? Uh, this is my third time, actually, in oh, the past okay. 10 years. But this is the longest ever. Longest ever, not only in, the New- in America, but also uh, away from China. Okay, well, you presently live in Beijing, right? Yes, yeah. I've lived in Beijing for almost 20 years. Okay, where where were you born? I was born in Shandong province. I think it's a one one and a half hours away from Beijing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know our train system is very very good, <laughs> so I think it's four hundred kilometers away from Beijing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Capital the, city of uh, of a province. Oh, okay. All right. And where did Confucius come from? <laughs> oh, I did not know that. <laughs> Confucius say, "Turn left at Albuquerque." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that I just got to laugh using a Bugs Bunny line. But uh, so so, uh, tell me, I, like I'm a total idiot geographically just within, you know, anything mm. outside of New York. I, I I don't know anything about. Talk to me about what uh, mm. what it was like growing up where you grew up. Uh, I was born in Jinan, Shandong province. It's a city on the east. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not a coast city. It's one of the major provinces in China. It's, it's definitely a city of, uh, of millions of people. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, in any city in China, it's going to be the millions or dozens of millions of people there. Mm-hmm. So it's one of them. Uh, it's a second tier. It's a typical second tier city in, in China. I don't know how to compare a city in America. But yeah, the, but that province is the, the largest or second largest population in China. Oh, the wow. The whole province this, or the state. And sure. uh, and the city I was born mm-hmm. uh, is the capital city of that province, and it's a city famous for its uh, rich history and also uh, springs. It's called the city of the springs. We have a lot of springs underground in that oh, city. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, how, how about uh, water in general? I mean, do you have like beaches or? Yeah, yeah, we know. definitely have a beach, but but for my city mm. uh, that doesn't have a beach, okay. but for the some of the cities. We have a, some of the best uh, seaside cities in China mm-hmm. province, like Qingdao and oh, Weihai. Yeah, like, like fresh fish and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, and... pretty pretty like that. Also, it's like a tourist city, like okay. uh, most famous in China. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. What, so you're growing up in a circumstance where you got lots of people, lots of tourism then? But for my city, it's not a tourism-like mm. city. But uh, for some other cities in my province, in the that, province, yeah, this is on the seaside. You know, in China, cities always in the east are better provinces with a better economic, mm-hmm. uh, better economy, and uh, also like uh, the jobs and uh, more prosperity on the east. Uh-huh. Yes, and uh, I was I was a typical I would say I was a typical urban boy mm-hmm. uh, in my childhood. I go into the kindergarten and uh, single child. 
And that's also typical for my generation in China. <laughs> We don't have siblings. Oh, I would I would get an aunt. You didn't have any. You didn't have any siblings. No, like for my generation, like I mean, more than I think more than ninety percent of the Chinese kids, like was raised as the single, the only child in the family. Were you growing up in a place that had a law governing how many mm. children you could have? Oh yes, like I think it's a generation thing. Right now in China, we're allowed to have a second kid or even a third kid. Mm-hmm. We're encouraged to do that because China has an aging problem, and also we're short of a you know the low birth rate is also mm-hmm. hitting China. It's a very serious problem. But back in the like I was born in the eighties, okay, nineteen eighties. So for my generation, like we're all like the the only child. If we if a family have a second child, and I mean, I mean the family's got fined mm-hmm. very seriously, and but for my parents' generation. Uh, when like the birth control was not implemented, like usually the cases that they have a uh, like four or even five siblings mm-hmm. in their generation, so things changed very rapidly in the couple of like, yeah. decades all along. I got you, got you. So really, all all the people you came up with, all all your friends in school or whatever, they're all they're all single. only child. Like in the you know my classmates, probably ninety nine percent of them. Are like the only child. Sometimes they they have twin brothers or twin sisters. That's a different mm-hmm. case. Right, right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. See that that's a whole different mentality. You know, I wasn't even thinking <laughs> about. Because I was aware of the the laws governing how many children you could have, but it never occurred to me. Oh, so everyone, you know, because when uh, I'm growing up, you know, everybody's always talking about what's going on with their older sister, younger brother, you know, uh, and uh, all that sort of stuff. I, I I only have one sibling, but I have a sibling. You know. Oh yeah. So, I mean, did you ever think that you would have liked to have had a sibling, or it's just not even something you thought about? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I just heard from people in America and say, "Oh, sometimes the competition, like within the family, is is even unhealthy." I was trying to be uh, to let uh, <laughs> to to be a. Uh, I mean, let let the parents be proud of themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but definitely, um, like, I guess the only child is going to be more lonely um, mm-hmm. when growing up, and. Uh, There's education, less education about how to share with people and uh, and oh, negotiate yeah. and uh, go along with your peers and stuff. And you know, like in my generation, and also uh, the economy in China is taking off uh, as we grew up. So um, the kids are always given too much. I mean, mm. too much care and too much love. And some of those are really spoiled, mm-hmm. in the, especially in the urban. Uh, areas and we have a term for these kids, and it's called the little emperor, uh-huh. <laughs> the little emperor of the family. <laughs> okay, all right. Were you a little emperor? No, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I do not come from a well family. I'm just an average uh, kid, you know. And mm-hmm. those, especially those grandparents, spoil the the grandsons or mm. the granddaughters and giving them all what they have. Uh-huh. And it's it's beyond imagination, like. Like in China, then the kids all the center of the family. Even the parents give up their own lives. Like mm. for my parents' generation, it's it's typical that they don't have their own lives at all. Mm. They, they 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 make a living very hard, and they they make all the money, spend all the money on the kids. No matter if they're a kid, like on education, and when they grow up, and they they even use their retirement money, like mm. to buy an apartment for the kids. Wow. Okay. So you know that's the life there in China. Well, let me ask you this: Because uh, so, do you then feel more pressure to quote unquote succeed? Like you know, do you feel like well, 
Mm. It's just me. I got to do good, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a kid, it's very stressful in China. It's very stressful. We're talking about the competition because in China, getting to the college itself is not easy, especially、mm. in the early days. And which means、uh, we don't have the application system, but we have the、uh, what, what is notoriously growing entrance college examination.、Mm-hmm. So everything is based on scores. It's all about test taking. So we don't have after school things、uh-huh. like、uh, to 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 to, to have an interest and a hobby.、Right. No, not at all with that. It's all schedules all full, like from Monday to like Sundays, especially in the cities. And kids are all sent to the after schools,、uh, learning math and learning physics, and you know it's it's a lot of stress.、Mm-hmm. So we、mm-hmm. always have this mentality that. So you, you have know, like no downtime. No, no, not at all. Do you... We have it even in classes in the public school, like in in the. Oh wow! Yeah, even after the the classes, we sometimes get off get off、uh, school、uh, at seven or eight in, in the、mm-hmm. evening. I'm talking about the urban life. I mean, even for rural areas, like kids are always staying in the school. They wake up sometimes in the, like early in the morning, like six. Mm. Until going for exercises, then you have a morning class, all that stuff day by day, just for one simple examination. That's the college、oh, entrance wow, examination.、Okay. Think、all、about、right. that.、That's, so everything is geared towards getting that college exam, right? Just everything is based on scores, and also you know what? Like、um, different provinces have a different competition. Like for my province, that's one of the provinces with a, a severe competition.、Mm-hmm. Because education resources are very imbalanced, like kids in Beijing and Shanghai,、mm-hmm. they're very happy life. They're living a very happy life. Like just in Beijing, that's the center of education in China,、mm-hmm. which、oh, okay. has over a hundred like prominent universities. While like for provinces like in in in, in Qinghai or some under underdeveloped provinces, they won't have a few. So,、uh, in the undeveloped provinces, are, are you trying to get into a school in a better province? Yeah, but that's that's gonna be very very hard because you're gonna com- have a quota. You don't like people do not compete fairly on the national level. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So basically, you you have to do the best you can with the place you're living. Yes. Okay. Because in China we have a we have a hukou system, which which、uh, which means、uh, everything. I mean, also our welfare is all linked with where you were born. Ah.、Uh, okay. So there's also some there's still some limitations when you travel and relocate to different cities. I mean now it's getting better.、Uh, like me, I was born in Shandong, right? So、mm-hmm. I have a Shandong hukou. I don't have a Beijing hukou, which means that I I can buy an apartment in Beijing. I have an apartment in Beijing, but for my kids' education, they're not going to be allowed to have a school in Beijing. Oh, okay. I mean, they, even if they can have so- that, that kind of opportunity to study. In Beijing, but they're going to take the examinations, the high college entrance examinations, back in Shandong, which I'm saying they have a、Because、lot of more. Because that's where you came from. Yes, but it doesn't matter where you are now. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah.、Okay. How so, far is there any way to break that? Like, it's like, well, if three generations of us live in Shanghai, yeah. I mean, it, it, but it's still going to go back to where you came from. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean,、mm. like, first you have one chance after graduation. Like if you got a job and the and the job could because we have a two systems in China. One is the state-owned enterprises, and、uh, civil servants. They always taking care of your hukou to make it the real local. So you got that qualification. But in the private sectors, it's often the cases that you have very few people got the chance to do that. And also, 
the most possible way is that you after graduate get a job there, and then you got the chance. And even but after that, you're gonna be you're gonna be really really outstanding to be treated especially to get that case. Okay, it's even something like to have a green card in the United States. Wow. Okay. So, so well, let me ask you this: With all this, <laughs> no, I've got <laughs> a mind exploding, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I've got a few questions for you because because yeah. well, first of all, how did you do in school? Uh, I'm pretty good in junior high and uh, senior high. I'm good. I'm I, uh, I I was in the best uh, senior high school in in my province. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I'm a, I'm a good student. I'm a monitor <laughs> in the in the junior high. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm okay in the in the senior high, but there was way too much competitions in my province. So mm. I'm just okay. Yeah, but I'm going to the college. You know, that's for sure. Uh, but I studied engineering, and then I after graduation, I I moved to Beijing. I got a job in Beijing. Mm-hmm. And, Wait, uh, it related to engineering? No, I have not a single day doing engineering at all. <laughs> <laughs> but is that what you got your degree in? Yes, that that's where I got my degree because my parents, my 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 dad works in the construction mm-hmm. field, so they wanted me to study like civil engineering and stuff like that. So I chose uh, HVAC, uh, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Mm-hmm. It's basically designed for the building with that. But I've not at all any interest in that. I spent all my time learning English in college. <laughs> uh, so what? So you you studied engineering with that. The idea of your parents, or is that something you actually wanted for yourself? Yeah, no. I think it's always a case like the parents made choice for you because we have no idea uh, what any major means mm-hmm. uh, when we uh, when we uh, apply for college. Okay. It's always like, oh, your parents did this, and they wanted. They think, oh, uh, probably you're gonna do this as well because we have some connections and some, uh, mm. and it will make you like uh, your career kind of easier. So they're uh, so basically making the making your career choices for you before you even get to school. Right. But we have a lot of argument uh, with my dad because that's, I don't have any interest in that. Mm-hmm. Like in the, in the senior high school, uh, I, I, I spend most of my time uh, studying chemistry, actually. Uh, just, just in the dream that I, I want to attend the Olympic uh, game of chemistry competition. So because of that kind of competition, oh, wow. uh, okay. uh, the winners of that competition on the national level could be recommended to the top universities in uh, in China, which is a way uh, to get away the fierce competition of mm-hmm. a high uh, entrance college entrance. But actually, that turns out to be more fierce competition because <laughs> <laughs> we're okay. talking about like uh, – only like 50 or 20, uh, 50 students out of, uh, I would say, a million. Wow. And then got that chance to be recommended. I, I spent all my three years studying chemistry and uh, skipping all the class, most of the classes of other <laughs> subjects, actually. I can, well, let, let me ask you this. Cause it, um, so what you really wanted to do was chemistry, and y- your family wasn't supportive of that? No, what um, I'm not going to do a chemistry either. I mean, this is complicated. I just want to take that chance to get to the better university okay. to right. get around with a with a fierce competition of college entrance examination. So that's why I didn't choose chemistry either. I'm, I'm I've been good at English all the time, and, mm-hmm. and I, I because I I didn't pick up here. I I studied English back in in, in China, uh, even in college. I, I spend most of my time learning English. I, I attend a lot of English-speaking contests on behalf of my university on the national level. And, uh, and my first job is an English teacher in, in, in Beijing. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and that's, that's basically my story. So I, from the first day uh, in college, 
I I abandoned my major <laughs> <laughs> okay. to disappoint uh, my, my my dad. We haven't talked for years, actually. For oh, really? This. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I wasn't trying to put you in an uncomfortable position yeah. with that, but uh, can you imagine? Like sometimes I I I haven't got a prize in the speaking contest and I bring that prize. Mm. I mean that award in the back home. I said, Dad, I got an award, and my dad said, No, this is not something that you're gonna do. You're gonna do your major. Mm. This is what you're living, uh, what you're living for. So we we have a lot of argument for a long time, and, and until I got a job after after school, and I got a job like teaching English using my my language skills mm-hmm. and uh, get well paid. And my dad said, "Oh, okay, uh, it's it's more practical than I thought." Right. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, so I'm trying to picture Tony the comic. <laughs> In this circumstance, what, no, no, what, what, what <laughs> did, did, did what I want to find out because, like, because I'm just trying to imagine in that environment. Now, you talked about they, they always had you busy with all the extra classes and the studying mm. and all of that. Was there ever any time for like physical activity, like sports? Did you have, yeah. you know, plays or theater, anything arts wise? Uh, theater is not, it was not big. Was not mm. big at all, but definitely we have some theaters. But like for students, like we, we do have some sports, physical PE classes. But you know, like when when the final year of the school came, mm. and even the PE classes are always canceled. And give oh. it like <laughs> we wow. took that time for for the what we call the major subjects: the uh, mathematics, mm-hmm. the English, mm-hmm. uh, physics, and because to be preparing for that college examinations. But all year, uh, all along the the, the mm-hmm. high school, yeah, I do sports. I play a lot of basketball. Uh, Yay! <laughs> you know, um, NBA ba- NBA was huge in China. Yeah, the NBA yeah, I've is heard. Huge. It's not NFL. It's it's not baseball. It's it's, it's NBA. Mm. It's huge in China. I definitely, I play ping pong as well. Foot uh, soccer. Yeah, yeah, I'll play yeah, that. yeah. I've been known to say frequently, basketball is life. Uh, for me, for me. So, where did, when did you first have the impulse to perform? I think uh, it's, it's over ten years ago. Ten years ago, and mm-hmm. I started in Beijing. Uh-huh. Uh, ironically, I I started an English stand up, but because back then there was no Chinese stand up at all in China, mm-hmm. and uh, I got very much inspired by Joe Wong, the American Chinese comedian mm-hmm. who uh, was on the W. I'm not sure this is WHCD, but it's uh, the White House correspondent. Uh, radio and TV correspondent uh, dinner, uh, where he roasted Joe Biden. Uh, mm, oh, well, he was the vice president back then. Uh-huh. It's Obama's time. Yeah, that was that was over ten years ago. And that video went viral in China and uh-huh. introduced the form of art to China, and that's uh-huh. why I started stand up in Beijing. And uh, you know, I've been fan of him for a while, and then only within a half a year, like he returned to China, I performed with him, and opened for him. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. What? Well, so at that time, you don't have any. Structure like there, there's not a, like a chain of comedy clubs or anything. No, right? no, we could, definitely. I I actually started the, one of the earliest stand-up comedy clubs in China, oh, in wait, Beijing. Which one? Uh, it's called the Humor Section. I co-founded it with uh, a buddy uh, named Des Bishop. He's a uh, Irish uh, American comic who was a very famous in Ireland. Mm-hmm. He was in China, in Beijing, filming his documentary, which uh, later aired in R- uh, RTE. The okay. national TV station in Ireland. It's a six episode. It was called a Despicable Brick in China. At that at that time, we co-founded the comedy club 
doing English shows and also the Chinese shows. And for our English shows, sometimes we welcome uh, some of the flying comedians from the States. Some, have, some of those have become like big names now, like Shane Wayne, like uh, Ronnie Chan, um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Will Smith, and yeah, some others as well. Wow. It, it, Ari Schiffer, uh, oh, yeah, Mark yeah. Norman, the uh, all tour Beijing. This is very cool. I, mm. I, so your first encounters with, with stand-up were, were on the internet? Yes, we're on the internet and so the video. We 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 do here and there have some of the clips of the English stand-up, but we are this is something that we're not related to because we we don't understand why that's funny. Because mm-hmm. people talking about their own life, we don't have an idea what's going on outside of China. And it's always a, a white comic and a black comic talking about their own lives, which because we have we live in a separate world. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about your culture, pop culture references, we're we're not familiar with that at all. Because yeah. not all the movies and super series are are available in China, so it, we don't follow that quite quite a bit. It's funny. Yeah. I, I I recently had a conversation with uh, American comedian Carmen Lynch, mm. but her family comes from Spain. Yeah, and she talked about a few years ago starting to do some stand up in Spanish. You know, mm. she she made her career in English speaking mm-hmm. stand up, and she. Talked about you know some of the differences in doing in Spanish and in English. Someone came up to her once and said, "You really talk about yourself a lot." It is same case in China. That's what this is. Yeah, yeah, this is same thing in China. Like early in the days, I've been talking about ten years ago. Uh, we have a really nice crowd. Replied, they're they're by no ways like um, the American way. Like mm. people, uh, like people uh, heckle you. No, if they don't like you, they're just being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you know? which, which can be more devastating. <laughs> yeah, which can be more devastating. That's for sure. Because you don't you don't know what's going on. You don't have a response. You even ask questions that they don't, yeah, they, don't right. re- they don't reply. So what would you like to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny in the early days in China, the show has been been going on like for ten minutes and fifteen minutes, and there's a laugh. And there's a there's a collapse, and there's some some guy would would just like stood up and say, "Oh yeah, you're a funny dude, but when shall the show start?" <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> they don't understand the concept. Right, <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, uh, one other thing Carmen said is that I believe she was speaking specifically of, of Spain. That as you were talking about in China, that you know stand up had previously until I think she said about a decade ago. Had mm. been, uh, it was just on the internet. It wasn't something that they were, mm. and so they're still adjusting. She said a lot of the first comics that really hit big there mm-hmm. were basically doing ah, two guys walk into a bar kind of a thing. <laughs> they weren't, you know, they it wasn't a personal observation kind of a thing. It's, you it's know? not even that. I mean, like uh, because stand up is a format without the fourth wall, mm-hmm. which is not usual in China. People mm-hmm. are okay with drama. Are okay with our own uh, comedy, which is called Xiangsheng. It's the double act. So, but there's always a fourth wall. So, uh, when there is a new art form, like come up, come up and say, "Oh, I'm talking to you directly," people just cannot accept it. And also, it's a joke format. It's mm-hmm. very uh, intensified, like punchlines driven uh, content, which they are this different mindset. Yeah, it's just a different way of thinking. So people, it's not only just about, oh, you talk about your own life, you do your own observation. No, it's just a format itself. It's really new in China back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess if I think about it, I mean, that's kind of the development of 
comedians in the U.S. Except it, it goes further back. Yeah. One thing, one thing, Carmen said. I'm curious if this was your experience. She said it's so new that um, that like you have people now teaching stand-up classes who've only actually been doing it for like two years. <laughs> you know, it's like what? Well, yeah, but. In in this context, that is someone who's a real veteran, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, so about how long would you say it's been something that people can go to in China? About twelve years, I think. Now, and 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 it, but now it's just really taking off. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely regulation from the government. That's another thing. Like the things in China is like we always start late, but we're catching up very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, stand up is no exception. So now it's the most popular uh, art form among the young genera- younger generation. Oh, interesting. It's, it's something that's more popular than karaoke in China. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have no finer recommendation than that. Uh, so, so, all right. So, so you, you finished college. You, you get a job uh, mm. teaching English, right? Yeah, first and, I spent three years teaching, being an English teacher, and then I became a journal, a TV correspondent oh, uh, for the so, national TV station. So how does this happen? But, uh, yeah, because I'm uh, along my career path, I always rely on my language ability. So even as an, uh, a TV correspondent, I'm doing the, uh, the English-speaking interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from the unit of uh, World News section where I conduct all the English-speaking interviews, uh, like um, the top businessmen and the politicians are visiting China, and also the world event uh, in, in China. So right. I always go, went there to, to cover that. I, I'm, for the, uh, I'm with the business channel of CCTV, the nation, nation-owned TV station. But, but, but I want to ask you, how do you get that job? Did someone say... Damn, we need someone who speaks English. You, yeah. hey, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, that's Come the in. case. Yeah, that's the case. <laughs> Ironically, really? yeah. Like, wait, you? But did you know somebody who was doing a report? No, I think it's, a, it's, it's it's a bit of luck because it's very competitive. Because every every journalist a student want to get into CCTV, but not obviously not everyone. But also most of them has the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like even those kids who were who were trained four years in the best. Uh, journalism school in China do not even have as much chances, but it's just like so how at you that get time. Your chance? Yeah, I got my chance. I'm 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 pretty lucky at that that time, and I uh, I went there for the interview, and uh, yeah. I, so I was, you reached out to them though. Yeah, we reached out to them. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you just just figured, hey, I have this skill. Maybe there's something else I can do with it. Yeah, I'm say yeah because yeah that was still uh, TV's gold age. TV is still big thing in China. If you were on TV, everyone knows you. Right, right, right. Okay, so, so, so you, so you got the gig, and now you're a reporter. Yeah, yeah I'm a reporter. I'm a reporter for seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I quit the job in 2016. Yeah, I was doing that for six years, but all along the time, I think TV industry or in traditional media in general was going down. So, I think it's something. Also, it's the similar case in America, like the traditional media, like is kind of going down. Because people's attention are pretty much on the social media more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. People are no longer getting their news from news sources. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> Eddie posted on Facebook, and he 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 had this link to an article. And like, article <laughs> was written by a guy living in his mom's basement. You know, <laughs> yeah. not exactly a trusted news source. Uh, China is even in the worst case. Every link goes to a product. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, let me ask you this though. So, so, so since you've been a journalist, talk about uh, 
the journalism in China. Like mm. a, a, you must be kidding me. There is no journalism in China. <laughs> oh, oh, well, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, it's it's a very different system. It, it, all it, the media are state owned or state controlled. Okay, but there's a period of time that is relatively open to the market.、Uh, Or into the media, but it's a short of time.、Mm. Uh, but obviously, you cannot uh, uh, cover whatever you would like、uh, in China on the media. Is basically one-sided stories all the time.、Mm-hmm. The, right now, I don't think there are much like investigative news at all in China. The company that you、uh, became a journalist、mm. for was that state-owned. Yeah, it is a state-owned. It's something like NBC, but it's、mm. the, pro- the most important TV station in China. Okay, so you're taking orders on what reports you're going to do, or are you coming up with your own ideas? Oh,、uh, it's both. Oh, okay,、uh, it's both. But they have a very much like、uh, the principles of what can be covered and what cannot. Right. So it's not like, you know, it's basically I would say the media is、uh, is working for the for the government first, and then the people. Got it. it. Yeah, it's a different case. Got it. Well, so so, how do you get from there to getting on on the mic on stage?、Uh, when I started, I was I was the TV journalist. It's very interesting. In the very early days, I, and I attracted some attentions from the media and especially the Western media. Say,、so, oh, there's a guy who was a TV reporter、mm. who was a, on the in the daytime and to stand up at night. <laughs> what, what the heck is that going <laughs> yeah, on? Yeah,、right. does that contradict with itself? <laughs> Or like what you can talk about and what you say on stage? And that somehow something to do what you have to do on, in front of a camera? And they're <laughs> curious in that, and they have a lot of media. My first media experience is with at the Atlantic. Atlantic.、Mm. Yeah. When when you first started, there's really no、uh, no stand up clubs at that point, or had they started to?、Uh, I, I look at I look it up. There's definitely no Chinese speaking stand up at all.、Mm-hmm. There's just a group of expats doing open mics in English in Beijing, and that's why.、I、so it's like、there. open mics, like in a bar, or restaurant, yeah, a or bar. something, right? But I mean, it's good atmosphere. Every time it was like forty、uh, people, thirty、uh, people, forty people. I'd kill for forty, fifty people right yeah, now. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's good start. <laughs> it's an easy start. I mean, some of those、uh, peers just still do stand up, and some of them move back in the states. I mean,、mm. in New York, and some that are doing pretty well now in New York City. Like well, they started in Beijing as well. Most、mm-hmm. expats they do not have common experiences at all back home. So、right. they're in China and they have they want to have some fun. So they started, they do it and they kept doing and doing it well, and then、right. they get back. But so early on, your only opportunities are for open mic. So like even if you do well,、mm. there's nowhere for you to go next. Uh, they they have they have a shows probably every month or even like every few weeks six weeks or something but it's not something regular and it's,、right. it's all in English and it's just like these small pool right、mm. uh, it's it, it's like you、and、like the same people over and over yeah just the same people over and over again okay、yeah. but getting on the open mic anyone can do that yeah everyone can do that and、uh, you don't have to pay five dollars by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, I can come here and get on the mic, or I can pay five dollars. I'll get on the mic, sure. <laughs> so, what what kind of things are you? I'm not asking for jokes or whatever, but、yeah. what what are you talking about when you get on? So, so your first open mics are English speaking, right? Right. Yes. And、uh, so, I don't get it. Back then, I d- didn't get it. I'm just thinking, oh, it's just English speaking. Because、mm-hmm. we, because back then, that、uh, we we don't know how this magic tricks works. We 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 see oh that video is funny and uh, uh, we just think it happens naturally. I think that's the very simple case when people just started from an audience and to 
uh, a comic, they think, oh, they take things for granted. It's just you have no other tricks. You just speak, <laughs> right? Why? <laughs> Who why, else? Why? <laughs> Everyone can speak, and you just think, oh, you could be funny, but definitely it's not the case. I still remember <laughs> early in the days when I first get on open mics, I heard everybody was complaining about the life in Beijing. I got angry. So what the fuck are you talking about? If you don't love China, just go, right? I just don't get an idea. And later on, I realized, oh no, they shit about everything. It's not like they target about Beijing. It's not like a China hate, mm. and they 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 speak bad of uh, like back then. I thought, oh, you know, this is something that you're separate people. Mm. But I don't don't really get the idea of that uh, stand up is a is a, is an independent thinking. It's right. um, it's more of uh, your your personal feelings, and you stay true with what you 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 have had in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I still remember that day I got on stage and said, "Oh, hey, this is the the Beijing time. I'm gonna defense. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna angry, and I I'm gonna do the I would say uh, a Chinese president's talk like for three minutes. <laughs> and in the end, and then I got my first laugh. In the end, I did a bit about the election, uh, uh about about the Chinese. This election, I said, like, "Oh, I mean, like America's election is so uh, lacks of efficiency. Like, look at China. Like, we got a one guy, and that, then that works for the next eight years, and there's no discussion about that. And I got the first laugh. <laughs> oh, then I understand. Oh, you're gonna be crack something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you, so, you don't have to be have the mind that oh, you represent the old, oh, the whole country represent the whole. Society. No, you just be yourself. It, right, uh, right, right. So the first time on stage." Over that you're talking about the first laugh you got. Overall, how was your first time on stage? I feel good with myself because you know I'm, I'm I've, you know speaking fluent English on stage itself is a huge achievement in China in that context. Because back in China, we don't speak English on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. Right. So with anyone who speaks better English, it's got to be very much respected in China. So let me ask you: right. so people don't speak English regularly, but do they understand it? Like from no, I mean like the the English speaking mics. Are basically the expat scene. Mm-hmm. There's a very few Chinese people getting involved. Okay, it's like in the states in the Chinatown. It's the Chinese people thing. Right? They do their own thing. Like it's the same thing. Right. Yeah, right, but right. you know, I still remember when I get on. I, I got to be really serious, angry about that, and uh, I have confidence. I think, oh, this is the right way. But people gonna say, oh, what the heck is going on? The people. So it's a learning process back then. It's not easy. Yeah, and people always oh, what's your comedy influence? No, there's no comedy influence. We just know the format. Right. Just like you as a kid, like you went to theater and to see for the first time, you saw magic. You saw a magician doing their tricks. You said, oh, this is something funny. I may do it the next day. I can't do it. Right, <laughs> it's a right. crazy idea. Yeah, and e- even if you learn how to technically do the trick, that's not the same as performing it. You know, and yeah. <laughs> interaction and yeah. all, all the that stuff. Took that took years. That because. And also, we don't have uh, really good uh, examples. Like where you grew up, you already, um, like in America, the comedy scene is very developed. Yeah, I, I, I remember being like five years old and passing by a TV and right. some talk show and there's a stand-up comedy, just a guy standing on a mm. mic telling jokes or whatever. So it's like I, from my earliest childhood, I remember that being mm. something that People did. I was told by my parents that's not something I could ever do. You know, they were. They well, were you know of, what it is. Right? You know, and it's popular, and you 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 watch that a lot. Right, yeah. right. So at least I know. Well, maybe I'm being told I can't do this, but I know somebody can do it. That's out there. Yeah. So so it, let me ask you this: because it, it, from what you're describing, it seems to me like in a way, 
you're learning stand up at the same time as um as like the culture is learning stand up like you know yes. what i mean like yes. you're you're learning it while people are learning how to receive the it. Culture what it is, is still learning stand up. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, do you, how did you feel you were developing in in relation to that? Like, do you feel like you're ahead of the curve? Like, mm. they, they don't get what I'm doing yet. You know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, Lee has a has a, uh, a privilege, but also has his challenges his own way. Like, mm. uh, it, it, it's very easy to get an audience in China. That's for sure. That's that's one of the cutting edges because we're never short of people. From the very starting time, we have like dozens of people coming to your mics or to your shows and to say what's going on. They all think that this is something Western. They all think this is something that's that's more advanced and more modern things. But, okay, so but on it, the other hand, like people do not know how to uh, accept. It's not only about a po- political system, it's also about a cultural because stand-up is a very individualism thing. Yeah, right? you have to be yourself, and you. I think it only works well in a society where um, the personality and diversity is very much encouraged mm-hmm. and uh, and appreciated, uh, or else people say, "Oh, why, 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 why do you stand up and say say something like that? And what what's the point of that? You're gonna op- uh, obey the rules and and follow with us, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why well, I would imagine. I mean, just from what you've described about. Your upbringing, you know, you're mm. you're being programmed to study. You're being programmed to do, you know, and mm. I mean, being told. Yeah, I don't, mm. I don't mean to get like nefarious about it, like you're programmed. But I mean, this is what you're being taught. This is what your mm. parents are telling you. This is what your life is going to be. Mm. So when you start doing this, mm-hmm. um, are you talking with them at that point? Because I'm wondering no, how they, they reacted they, they to don't, this. They don't took it. Nobody took this seriously. They would think, "Oh, this is your hobby. It's like you go mm. you go for, go for swimming, and it's yeah. like playing golf. It's the same thing." It's, oh, nobody thinks that that's a career. And even we, <laughs> we're the only ones who take it seriously. <laughs> we say, "Oh, this is an industry." <laughs> you, you know that that that's not exclusive to China. I got to tell you. Uh, but. <laughs> But so what? Well, so obviously, you you enjoyed doing it though, right? When you f- first started doing it, for sure. For so sure. It, at what point did you start to think maybe this, this is something I can do? Uh, as you know, every each year in China, the scene grows bigger. And uh, as one of the earliest players, you enjoy a lot of the privileges. You are easily to get a lot of people and really creating a, a good atmosphere. And uh, as economic growth. Uh, is going on in China. You have all kind of different opportunities here and there, mm. right? I even did a late night show in China on the way. So you, talk know, to when me you have, about that because I, I yeah. know about this, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, uh, that was in the year of 2017, the late uh, late 2017, and mm-hmm. it was on one of the major networks called uh, TV.Sohu.com. I think something compares to America's. I'm not saying it's Netflix because Netflix is the only the top player. Mm-hmm. It's like the Prime Video, I think. But but TV.Soku.com is the uh, only platform that introduces the American Super Series and okay. all those uh, late night shows. They have a whole on that. They have uh, Allen shows on that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also is a, a listed company in, in New York uh, Stock Exchange. So it's the most American style uh, networks. Got uh, it. That's heavy on the on the content, and they produce uh, the first uh, American style like late night, exactly the same. Mm-hmm, like the Tonight mm-hmm. Show, I mean the TV settings and the the format, the musical guests, the monologue, everything. Yeah. Except the content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, did you have like an opening monologue and stuff like? Yeah, it's, like, it's exactly Did you the same do that? Uh, I'm a co-host. Oh, got I'm it. a co-host of that show. I'm also the chief writer of that show. Oh, very and, cool. Yeah, but we, uh, we, we, we do it a seasonal. Mm-hmm. Uh, every season we got uh, like 12 episodes. I attend that program for the second season. But uh, we, we achieve a certain uh, success. Uh, we have a very good rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we have our, I don't know what, what what kind of a platform you have in America, but it's something like the reviews. Uh, it's a platform with the audience reviews. We're going to 8.7, which is right. very high. 8.7 out of 10. Right, so uh, people so, are liking it. Yeah, people are liking it. And uh, it, it's getting more and more popular and more and more influential. But on this one episode, that that the end, that's the final episode in the year of 2017, mm-hmm. where we did a joke, uh, like, and that that leads us to be banned in China, mm-hmm. and uh, so all the bad things happened all together. And okay, uh, so that show is called canceled, and uh, even the the platform almost loses its license due mm-hmm. to that. I mean, the the host at that time got a got a one music album ready to release and got a one movie. Mm-hmm. About to be released in the, in, in the cinema, and because that show was all canceled, and okay. he was on the blacklist, and so they lose the opportunity mm. uh, to have all those out, and then he finally moved out of China. So it's okay. a bad story. It's yeah. a sad story. I mean, well, let me ask you this: uh, How long did this run? Uh, a season. A season. So yeah. one season, twelve episodes. You said. Yeah, twelve episodes. Oh, okay. we, we we didn't even have every episode out. I remember that was the ninth episode that we got us in trouble, mm-hmm. and we kept filming, because it was a weekly broadcast. Right. Yeah, but right. we kept filming, and um, and we're not allowed to, to air. We thought, oh, maybe we could air this somewhere later, but gotcha. in the end, there are still like. A, I did think anyone from or, Did anyone mm-hmm. from the U.S. reach out about maybe airing some of these things? Uh, I think some of the uh, U.S. media talk about that. Mm-hmm. Talk about our show being banned. Yeah, our story was on. Yeah, some of the U.S. media, and that actually is how the Chinese government traced us back, because they saw that people are outside of China were talking about it gotcha. in a way that the government doesn't like. So yeah, they traced all the way back. You know what? Even for that show, we have to go through the government um, approval, and mm-hmm. we did, and we we did a roundabout way of uh, jokes, and they're okay with that. But it's just that we triggered a discussion. That the government doesn't like, oh, so, and then so it goes back the, all the way down. The thing they had an issue with occurred during a, a discussion. Yeah, but this, the regulation is pretty much result-oriented. Mm-hmm. If anything leads to the bad result, and they're going to deal with that. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Did any fallout hit you? They didn't have a problem with you specifically, but your association the with show the show. And also the host of that show. But ironically, I hosted that very episode. We did an exchange. I was a co-host. Uh-huh. And then for that particular show, I hosted because uh-huh. that's the special edition of the end of the year. We, we, we rounded every, the whole year up, the mm-hmm. news event and the new, make, it, make fun of the format. Right, and, right, yeah, yeah. And that, that episode got us in trouble. Well, that episode was hosted by me. Okay. But, but luckily, I was not hit hardly. Okay. Like, by the, All right. So there, there's no lingering. Like, you no. can still do your work there. Uh, obviously, I was influenced in some ways because that showed itself because I am the only two regular uh, appearances of that show, right? Because we have only two hosts mm. apart from the band. Right? Okay. So people all think, oh, that show got some some trouble. And then I'm not directly being banned by the government, but here and there, you know, people will think, 
oh yeah, that show is going into trouble. We're going to stay a little away from the right. people involved with that show. I mean, still till now, I mean, the directors and producers would not even uh, like to be very cautious talking about that show they have ever mm-hmm. done. But that show is, a, I think, it's one of the coolest shows ever in China. And mm-hmm. we even got an award. We've even got selected uh, uh, by the industry as the top 10 variety show. We even got an award. I I took that award. I received that award in a ceremony on behalf of our show in China. Mm-hmm. So well, all right. So clearly, people like what you're doing, right? Definitely. And so when this goes down, what are you thinking? I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts on what what you're going to do next? I mean, it's a dilemma. Uh, like in China, I think it's the content industry is facing the same problems in China. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, there's a vast uh, market. On the other hand, there's a less and less freedom. Like mm-hmm. in America, it's on the opposite. You can see whatever you want. I mean, literally, you can see whatever you want, but the competition is no joke. It's overdeveloped. It's mm-hmm. overcompetitive. Like in China, everything ex- at least was exciting uh, along the, on, in the process which means that you have tons of opportunities, even some opportunities that uh, you don't think that's that you deserve, but you, you got it. Right. Right? But I, I think it's like the 1970s and 1980s in America being a stand-up comic. Yeah, right? that, when that, exploded, that would be a huge time. Right? For- yeah, everybody was jumping into the industry and say, oh, yeah, because it's so popular and you think it's cool doing this and also you, you, you have tons of opportunity. So yeah. it's a dilemma. It tends to be an ebb and flow of that in, in this country. You know, definitely the 80s with the big comedy boom and you know it, mm. it tapers off and then people get sick of it and they're like hey they want to do it mm. again so I think we're you know uh, at least at the time of pandemic I, I think it was trending a little bit more towards another possible boom and now you know the whole timeline gets thrown off well, uh, what is this like in America right now uh, before the pandemic I know it was it's the highest point of the industry is is a second boom. What? Well, yeah, it was. I, I think I think the industry is just still kind of trying to figure out what it's going to be because you know a number of clubs went down. I think it's two things. One is the the, the way everything is changing because everything is being streamed now, and it's you know mm. it's. Uh, I think with music and with TV and with movies and with stand up as well. You know, I think the industries are all trying to figure out what they're going to be in the future because the format is changing. And then you throw into that the pause because of COVID and Mm. everybody's kind of scrambling. So I think it's going to be a few years before we really see what it's going to be like, say, for the next decade, you know? Yeah, but I feel like this is even more challenging to be a comic uh, in this time of it, because I, everybody is live streaming, as you said, everybody's self advertising and, 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 and promoting themselves using whatever platform they are. Well, they're competing not even with the comics, you're competing with anyone else. Yeah, it, we're, we're in a time where everybody's <laughs> it's it's all about just attention. Pay attention to me, yeah. look at me, you know, yeah. which should play into the strengths <laughs> of some comics. What I'm wondering is, like, so what are you at that time in that moment? Um, what are you thinking to yourself about what do you want to do career-wise or do you even know what you can do at you that know, point? Uh, even though that show was got, got shut down and uh, me personally still got uh, uh, very uh, optimistic about the future because after that and the platform said, oh, we're going to produce a show for you since we cannot do that show for, for the host mm-hmm. because they also have a well-planned uh, like they put me the whole co-host of that show just because the, the, if that show went well 
Mm-hmm. And then I could do my own show on the song on the on, on the side. I mean, it's on right. the same time. And you know, in China, it's very hard to do those one person show. We got a like、um, variety with the different talents that because that's easier for ratings and that's、mm. easier for sponsors for all those stuff. But like for platforms like Soho, they are very American style, American culture, which places on the individualism. They can start something、uh, small, but they want to do it in, in a real American way.、Mm. So it's, <clears throat> I think it's one of the only platforms that want to do that in China. And、um, so they said, "Oh,、uh, probably we're going to produce your show." And then after that, yeah, they did. They did my own. Show. I have my own show. It's called the Tony、oh, Show.、Cool. But the problem is that it's a very different format. It's it's more of like a Conan O'Brien on the remote in the remote pieces. It's,、mm-hmm. it's, oh, okay. It's, it's not like the the, the late night format. It's a short form. And also,、uh, we finished we've produ-、uh, finished the production of the first season、um, mm-hmm. in the twelve、uh, episodes. But that was just before the pandemic, and that also had something with、uh, with the approval of the government. That took a year to、mm. get it approved, and then after that, right after that, the COVID case hits us, and、so、then it's the very hard.、Air? No, so、oh. that's the point. We finished the production even, and we don't air it.、Uh-huh. But the platform paid for it. But they want to get some like sponsorship to support the show, but、mm. uh, they didn't get that as sponsored. So till now, it's still in the stock of the of the platform. Okay. Okay.、Mm. So while this is all going on, you、uh, at least until pandemic, you still doing the live shows? Yeah, still doing the live live shows. I think COVID was not really hitting Beijing. I mean, the city of Beijing、mm. uh, until last May. I mean, for the first two years of pandemic, the Beijing's okay for shows. Yeah. So, but since ever since last May, where Beijing was hit hard. And then things are are just completely changed, and also the regulations comes in, and、um, as the the format is getting more and more influential, and then the regulations came in right away,、mm-hmm. right? As as we may earlier discuss, like、uh, really bad news come,、uh, like a, a comedian joke about the military. It's、mm-hmm. not even joke about military, but it's just a joke with a reference of the military, right? Right. And it got、right. fined two point one million dollars for that simple one joke. And and because of that and the whole industry in China got almost shut down. Right, because no one wants to take the risk. Same thing, yeah. yeah. And also the government's, you know, there's a chilling effect. And in China, we have an phrase called "kill the chicken, scare the monkey." Right, right, right.、Yeah. I, I I get that. So let me ask you this: You personally, how does this impact your writing? I mean, you, did you find yourself frequently with conflict、uh, on what you could do, or, or are you not doing material that's Going to cause any problems? No, I think it's a less and less. I'm very pessimistic about Chinese standup at the moment. Everybody is finding a way out, and a lot of them have quitting, quitting it.、Mm. And、uh, the government didn't say that no, you cannot do it. But as the the room, the space is is getting increasingly smaller,、mm-hmm. smaller enough that you cannot actually say anything. Right. Not only say anything about related politics. Politics is not allowed to talk about、right. from the very first day, but also anything related to your life that has an attitude. It's more of like a competition of a being funny without conveying any kind of a message. Yeah, right, right, right. And、yeah. and also you cannot speak dirty. You cannot.、Mm. Uh, oh fuck that shit. Yeah, you cannot talk about sex. You can. Yeah, I mean, like in Chinese, it's also a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, you're gonna you're gonna be against the cultural values, yeah. And the v- cultural values and social values is defined by the government. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not comparing the two, but I, I, I do understand. Like when I was a child, network TV in this country, like you couldn't use a quote unquote bad word. I remember mm. when mm. All in the Family sitcom uh, first came on, and to hear them occasionally say damn or hell it's like yeah <laughs> i knew i was not allowed to say that in my home actually it, my home wouldn't wouldn't like that bad but i knew it, it would raise eyebrows or whatever i love lucy in the 1950s the, the main character hmm. uh became pregnant and they couldn't say the word pregnant oh really yeah <laughs> yeah so the, you, you but what's say, the point you of say she's point? going to have a baby <laughs> And is that because she's pregnant? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was this whole whole thing about that. It was it, so, you yeah, know. Content wise, I, I think China is like the fifties. Market side is like the eighties, like, but content like it's like the fifties America. There was a program in the uh, also in the early nineteen seventies, uh, the variety show called the Smothers Brothers show Mm -hmm. and they were actually very popular in the ratings Uh, you know they started speaking out against the vietnam war Mm -hmm. and they were canceled but they they were anyway point being they they pulled the show off the air even Mm -hmm. though it was popular Mm -hmm. and you know and some people lost their minds about that and i think it was right that they were upset about it but that was just that wasn't I don't think that even compares mm-hmm. remotely with the, the situation you're talking about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I guess I guess what I wanted to ask you is: so how, how does this affect you? I mean, you specifically, Tony. Yeah. Um, how does that affect you in terms of your creativity? I mean, is is that something that you felt hindered you, or you're like, okay, well, no, this, these are the rules, and mm. you get to, mm. you know what I mean? Like, that, that's why I was in New York City. That's the reason why I'm here. I think. And when, when and when did you come to New York? About five months ago. About five months. Yeah, I've been ago. here long enough. I think and uh, exploring uh, what's going on to be a stand-up comic here. Uh, here definitely have more challenges of being a, a full-time comic. That's almost something impossible. I would find out, but 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 this is something. If this is something I really want to do, I'm gonna find a way. To keep mm-hmm. it going, but this is—it's like uh, I always talk myself of being like a, a comedy refugee, <laughs> coming mm-hmm. to a place where comedy does not even pay. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad, but like at least you can speak your mind. Let's just say it's different. Um, well, uh, let me ask you this: so When was the first time you you performed in the United States? Uh, uh, let me say it like this: I I visited America. F- the first time I've seen 2013, mm-hmm. but not uh, speculative for a comedy. But I did right. an open mic in Washington, D.C. while I was uh-huh. visiting the city. Uh, but uh, I came here. What was that experience like, the first time doing stand-up in, in the U.S.? Oh, it's definitely very different. But back then, I, I, did, not, I did not speak good English as good as what I can. Okay. I do now. Doing stand-up in China to the expats, it's still very different, like doing stand-up in America because people are living in a very different context. Like for those who have been in China, they have an interest in China and they live in China society. Right. You talk about China related, but even though it's English speaking, but you're going to anyway link to the social life there, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we are familiar with. What I learned is that it's, it's quite different. <laughs> <laughs> and also I, I couldn't understand those jokes uh, by other comics here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, and also, um, can you imagine that I'm still in the culture shock? Because I never studied in America, never lived in America. 
Uh-huh. And uh, so everything was everything basically was pretty pretty new to me. I still remember that when I stepped off the stage, and an African American comedian want to say uh, congratulate with me on this and give me the fist bump. <laughs> and I don't know how to deal with that. And then I held his fist in the end. <laughs> That's a real story. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> But now every time I go on stage, I, I give fist bump to him. Then why else? Like sometimes uh, the white comics, they want to they want to shake hands with me. It's always right, they, doing that. They look at you like yeah, you're looking at that comic. Yeah, so yeah. it's very complicated. <laughs> So, so all right. So that was your first experience, 2013. You said 2013, but I didn't came here for comedy. But 2015, I came here for a comedy for a month.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and、uh, did a few mics in, in New York City. I stayed in Flushing back then too,、mm-hmm. and、uh, stayed in my buddy's apartment.、Uh, we produced two shows actually in Flushing: one Chinese, one English. Oh, we、nice. even had Ronnie Chan performing with us. Oh, nice.、Time. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, and so、uh, and so that was for like a month. Yeah, that was a month, and you, and you felt a little bit more comfortable with it that time. Oh yeah, that's、uh, I I took that as a as a learning, and because、uh, China's comedy is as I said is growing very fast at that time.、Mm-hmm. I, I went to different open mics and、uh, met a few people here, and even went to the t- late night show taping, and all those experiences like shaped what I did later in China. Because when we did、Who、the did late night show, who did you see at the late night show? I went a few. I went to the Daily Show. I went to the、uh, Stephen Colbert show,、mm-hmm. uh, and also Larry Wilmore. Oh, yeah. Still yeah. got the show on Comedy Central, and also Seth Meyers' rehearsal. Ah,、uh-huh. one、uh-huh. of those shows. Yes. Very cool. Did you have any big takeaway from seeing those shows being produced? Yeah, I would say like it's a very professional. I mean, TV industry here is very, very professional. Like,、mm. uh, I'm a TV guy, but I'm a news guy. I'm not like a, for variety show, entertainment programs, and、uh, but I apply those like like with、um, what I've seen, like to when we make the late night show、mm-hmm. later. So we absolutely adopt the way of filming and、uh, and、uh, the production rules、uh, yeah. exactly like the the states, yeah. So that works a lot, because in China, like it would typically a way of doing shows that we think of everything, like、um, we, we before the show started, we film the people's clapping, and the people's <laughs> laughing, and we edit that in in case it don't、But、happen the, during the show. Yeah, yeah. Go, we don't go do it in the, the way、clip. of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but that's crucial for late, for for comedy style content. You're gonna、mm. you're gonna have people、uh, the the real、uh, reaction from the people, and、mm. then you can re- resonate with the、uh, people、uh, in front of the screen. Yeah, that was 2015. And at that time, did you think you wanted to come back here and and do more? Was it just oh that was a nice little experiment? No,、uh, that month、uh, brought my horizons for sure, but also feel like oh it's. It, it it's hard. It's hard, and also comedy doesn't pay.、Uh, but this one's not as bad as this time because the back then, not mic, all the mics charged. I mean, still there are free mics、uh-huh. that you can go to, and especially compared with China, because when China's comedy, it's just not not influential enough. You enjoy more freedom.、Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want, and also I think China's on the rise. I mean, that's the best China's best ten years. Being、uh, opening up to the rest of the world, we are pretty diverse and developing, and all things are good. And you have,、uh, as I said, pro-、um, projects from the different platforms here and there, and the commercial gigs here and there. And I even performed on the cruise. I'm one of the, I'm not one of, I'm, I'm the first Chinese guy 
perform on the international court. So you call when you call opportunities of these like all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you won't think about oh I'm gonna start from scratch in another language in a very competitive market in America. Uh-huh. It's not a different case now because China's, as I said, you have a less and less room, but you're gonna think a way out. You're gonna find a way out. Even how no matter how hard America is, but this is gonna something sustainable. If you work out your content, yeah, I mean, like, it's not everybody has has the luck mm-hmm, to make mm-hmm. it, but at least it's something that can be sustainable and uh, you can speak your your mind. But in China, uh, it, it turns out to be more and more of a labor work. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that, right? You don't. You when you want to do a stand up comedy, you don't want to to put on a costume and 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 play with a tourist in the Times Square. That's what you want. <laughs> Even if it's a better paid, but you don't want to do that, right? <laughs> So, so you're saying you're not interested in, in dressing up as Elmo uh, or Mickey Mouse or whatever. So you, you've been here now on this trip for about uh, five months, five right? Five months, yes. Tell me about what this particular experience was like uh, this time around. How, how was it? Because this is mm. my first encounter with you, and I saw you a couple of times, and, mm. and you did great work. Oh, thank you. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't have guessed – that this was anything new to you at all, let's put it that way. You know, uh, I mean, in terms of both doing stand-up and doing stand-up in English, you know, wouldn't have, uh, yeah. I just saw you as a comic, <laughs> not a visiting comic, you know? Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. So so what was your experience like this time around? Um, yeah, this, I think it's worthwhile. Um, in five months, I experienced the different stages um, of being away from China uh, from the very beginning in, in the excitement stage. You see, everything is new. Uh, you're in a mindset of being a tourist, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, taking into everything that is uh, from culture, from society, from way of life, and also picking up the language skills as, as well. And then you, you're going to transition to something that is more regular life. You're going to be live like as a as, as a residency, uh, as like like residents in the mm-hmm. regular life. And you, how does that feel? And then you really think about, oh, can I make it, or uh, how can I? How can I? How can I live under these circumstances? Uh, I always believe that America is very hard for people to be a middle class comic. So <laughs> yes, there is no middle class comic. Right. There's there really, are, really poor comics, yeah. and they're the ones you see on TV. <laughs> right. Uh, and right. some of them are poor too, but <laughs> depend <laughs> but, on what they've done on TV. But in China, like a majority of people are are middle, are very good middle class uh, comedians. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about like people who have started for only one year, some really good ones can make almost like four thousand or five thousand a, a month. Mm-hmm. I mean dollars a month. Think about that. That's well, so they take five thousand a month. You you. And you have three roommates, you can get an apartment here. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Five roommates. I wish um, our rats. But, <laughs> but you in, in enjoyed it this time, man. Yeah, I enjoyed this time. And, did, uh, did, it, did you find that you were changing your writing at all? Did it have an impact on your writing? I think it's a, a completely different thing. I, even though, I, because in China, I, I focus actually more of on, on the Chinese stand-up. So all the jokes I, I did, uh, this day, uh, this trip, are all newly written after my arrival. Mm. I only mm. probably only had one or two jokes that I, I I've been using all the time, but everything was newly written here. So I, I feel like it takes it gonna, if you want to be a stand up comedian in, in America, you're gonna take it for the long run. Mm. I don't mm. know if it pays uh, back in in the end, but at least. Um, you can't just like you know in China, people's always in the mindset that everything is quick. Like you're doing it for like three months and you don't you don't make it and okay 
You kind of rethink about that. So every because in China everything is so fast changing,、mm-hmm. so fast. It's not here. Like I, I have a better understanding of what developing country means. Because everything is developing in, in, in the comedy industry and, and stuff, right? Yeah, but here is everything is pretty like established. It remains the same. Well, let me ask you this: What you're getting ready to do a little traveling, and then you're heading back to China, right? Yeah, gonna head back to China. I mean, I'm still trying to to apply for the visa, to, to the artist visa, to an America, and after that, I'll probably spend my time on both countries. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah,、that'd、but it's a very do, complicated do have- process. You know, as we bring this to a close, do you have any、uh, goals, any things that you're 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 looking to achieve with your career, or are you just seeing what comes next? Um, yeah, probably still giving a try. Uh, uh, can how 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 good I can make it as an English speaking stand up comedian? Because in America is not only a domestic market, also global market. If you、mm-hmm. you can make it, because this is the best place in terms of entertainment. If you have、uh, some sort of English-speaking、uh, special, I mean、mm. the comedy content, who knows where it's going to land? Maybe it's, it's going to be in、uh, India. Maybe it's going to be in the UK, Europe.、Uh, who knows? Well, you know, it, it's interesting. We had a conversation with a, a wonderful Canadian-born comic、uh, named Jillian Thomas, and she was talking about when she moved here.、Uh, A bit over a decade ago,、mm. you know, she was very established in Canada,、mm-hmm. and she was thinking, "Oh, well, you know, we'll continue the journey in America."、Mm-hmm. And、uh, she found that she was getting people say, "I did all these, que- I did this show, I did this show," and they're like, "Yeah, no, those don't count here," you know. Right. So it it it's it's one of those things that you kind of have to start from scratch here in a lot of ways. But if、yeah. you Get it established here. You can take it elsewhere. Yes, that that's for the better situation. But in China, no matter how big you are, like it's separate from the rest of the world. It's the Chinese speaking world.、Mm. No, we gotta gotta bring this to a wrap. I just wanted to、uh, say, first of all, keep doing your good work. You were very funny, and and we we were really glad you were able to do a couple of no name shows. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, uh, please, when you when、uh, good luck with your your future. Keep doing your good work, and when you. When you come back around, come say hi and and play with us. Oh yeah, thank you very much for having me all the time on the shows. I really appreciate.、It. Thank you so much. Take care, Tony. Be well. Oh, thank you. Bye bye. And that was an interesting story, wasn't it? I I mean I I just like the guy and I I just want the best for him. I I, I hope he's able to get back to see us again soon、uh, as we record this. He's on the road in, I think, Chicago and then Texas, I think, and then he's heading back to Beijing. But he hoped to be back here in a few months. And if you get a chance to see him anywhere, go see him. Good guy, good comic, Tony Cho. As always, I, I give announcements, acknowledgments to our wonderful staff, our producer, the Grand Pooh by himself, Gary Hardcastle. Also, some additional audio and audio editing. From Miles Mix Appeal Blues Bruce, tip of the cap to our production assistants Stanley Resio and Jeremy Pueo, and you. Thank you all for choosing to be here to spend this time. Before we send you off into that good night or that good day or whatever the hell time it is, wherever you are at the time you're listening to this, we're gonna leave you with a little music as we always like to do. And actually, now our opening and closing theme song music is played and written by King of the Hill, Courtney Hill, and he sent us a new instrumental he'd been working on. So this is 
King of the Hill, Courtney Hill, and his song, Learn My Lesson. Until next time, this is Derek Vetter. I love you all. Thank you.